You're listening to the St. John's Diamond Creek Podcast. This episode presented by Youth and Young Adults Minister, Kirk McKenzie. My name's Erin and today's reading is from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 5, verses 1 to 15. Moses summoned all Israel and said, Hear, Israel, the decrees and laws I declare in your hearing today. Learn them and be sure to follow them. The Lord, our God, made a covenant with us at Horeb. It was not with our ancestors that the Lord made this covenant, but with us, with all of us who are alive here today. The Lord spoke to you face to face out of the fire on the mountain. At that time, I stood between the Lord and you to declare to you the word of the Lord, because you were afraid of the fire and did not go up the mountain. And he said, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as your Lord, as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labour and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter nor your male or female servant, nor your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. And this is the word of the Lord. Before the whole pandemic situation kicked off, I noticed there was a bit of change in the way Aussies were greeting each other, at least in my part of the world. It seemed to happen about the time our kids started going to kinder and then to school. See, traditionally, the way Aussies greeted each other, as far as I could tell, was with the phrase, how you going? Or if you're in a hurry, how you going? And the correct response seemed to be, yeah, good. Now, it didn't seem to matter particularly uh, to the person asking the question how you were going. And it didn't really necessarily seem to be the truth uh, with the answer, yeah, good. It was just a greeting. It was just a, here's the expected question, here's the expected response, and now we've greeted each other. But I noticed that things were changing. And that as I was talking to parents at drop-off, at kinder or at school, instead of saying, how you going? we were starting to say, you're busy. And instead of the expected response being, yeah, good, the expected response um, became, oh, flat out. But just as it was with the old greeting, 
no further conversation was engaged in. People didn't go, oh, you're flat out. Oh, what's caused you to be so busy? Are you okay? What's happening in your life? It was just normal. That's what was expected. Of course, you're flat out busy, duh. And if you did actually bother to find out what was going on in their life, usually there wasn't any particularly traumatic circumstances going on, no emergencies that would have been cramping that person's time or energy or resources. That was just normal life, being flat out busy. Now, we're in the middle of the COVID situation at the moment. And we come to situations where we go, well, uh, I can't wait for things to go back to normal. At the time of recording, we are just hours away from the new law coming in in Melbourne, where we have to wear marks, uh, masks when we head outside. And so, of course, when we say, I can't wait for things to go back to normal, we're referring to pre-COVID times when we can do things like shake people's hands, hug, have people over to a house, visit other people, that sort of thing. And of course, when we think about those things, we're all looking forward to a time when we can do that again. But there are other things about normal life before the coronavirus hit and before we've had all these restrictions come into our life that weren't great. And actually that normal life had a bunch of problems. For example, here in Melbourne, often voted the most livable city in Australia where so many of our basic human needs were met in incredible ways. We had record levels of depression, anxiety, youth suicide, relationship separations and family breakdowns. Something wasn't quite right about normal. And so in this current teaching series we're in at the moment, we're talking about going back to a new future not back to exactly the way things were, although certainly we want to bring some of those things with us because there's some great stuff we're looking forward to get back into, but heading into a new future that's actually better. As we eventually emerge from the COVID situation, we hope in particular from a Christian point of view, we can be stronger and deeper in our relationship with Jesus and we can be stronger and deeper in our relationship with the people around us. And so that's what this series is really about. And today, I wanted to draw a comparison between our situation right now and a situation that the ancient Israelites found themselves in over 3,000 years ago. Now, I'm aware when we do that and we compare people who lived such a, in such different times that that can be a bit of a stretch. So as we get into it, please just bear with me on that. I'm not saying our time now is exactly like they were going through then. That's not what I'm saying. But there are universal things about being human. Human experience resonates throughout the centuries. And in particular, uh, our relationship with God, we have a relationship with God that is the same God as what the ancient Israelites had. And so there is things that we can learn from their situation that we can bring into our current unique uh, point in history. So, we're going to look at the particular point in history where the Israelites had escaped slavery from Egypt. Now, I'm not sure if you've ever been to Egypt and maybe with the price of international flights, maybe you never will. Uh, but I actually have been. I've been to two other countries other than Australia and one of them is Egypt. Now, I, when you go to Egypt, of course, you have to go to a pyramid. And so we saw, saw a bunch of them, some of them 
bigger than others, but they're all big. Now the locals assure me that they weren't built by aliens, they were built by slaves. And when you look at the pyramid, you stand next to them, you just go, oh, Bag's not been a slave in Egypt. That would have been horrendous. And in fact, if we look at like all of history and you go, who would you least like to be a slave for out of all the ancient civilizations? I reckon the ancient Egyptians would be in your top three. It would have sucked being a slave in ancient Egypt, but that's where the Israelites found them until God, through a whole bunch of miracles, and you can read about those in the book of Exodus, uh, brought them out of slavery and had got them on this journey towards the promised land and towards becoming their own nation, God's people, uh, God's nation. And so our reading today came from a section where they're starting to establish themselves as a nation, but they're sort of wandering in a, in a wilderness part of the world. So they're not settling down yet. They're not sort of setting up cities and that sort of thing. They're just at the beginning of setting up their identity as God's people. And so God's working with them and his spokesperson is Moses. And their, their identity is getting underway. And a key part of that identity is what we now know as or call the Ten Commandments. These ten famous rules that God gave his people right at the start of their journey that they were to learn and that they were to live out. And we've had some of those read for us today in our Bible reading. Now, lots of great things to learn from the Ten Commandments and lots that we could delve into. We're not going to look at all of them in detail. We haven't even read all of them in our Bible reading today. I'm going to focus on two in particular. The first comes from verse 8 of Deuteronomy chapter 5. By the way, the Ten Commandments are also listed in Exodus chapter 20. But verse 8 says this, You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. So basically saying, don't make an image, a statue or a big painting of an of a animal. Uh, you shall not bow down to them or worship them. Okay, so God is not an animal and we're not to worship animals or worship images or um, you know, statues of animals. This is a key command, no idolatry, no worshipping false gods or gods that you have created. Then the next um, command I want to look at today is in verse 12. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labour and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall, do, you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter. So Moses speaking this command to the adults, he's saying, God doesn't want anyone in your family to do work on the seventh day of the week. Everyone's got to have a full rest day. But he goes on, nor your male or female servant. So nobody who works for your family is to be working, uh, you know, during the week is to work on the seventh day. Nor your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals. Okay, animals are out too. Nor any foreigner residing in your towns, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. So not only is the rest for the Israelite people, 
but also, and they're thinking ahead here because they didn't have any towns at that point, but they're saying eventually when we settle down, we start becoming a civilization, we have towns, we have cities, and people come in from other countries and they might work for us as well, they get a rest on the seventh day as well. No one is to work. Like, it's a thorough command, making sure that everyone is resting and no one is working. And then there's an explanation given. Now, this idea of Sabbath is prevalent big time in the Bible, massive theme throughout the Bible. And I've actually linked to some great resources in the description of this YouTube video, which you might like to follow up uh, either in your own time or with your life group to really get into how big this theme is, how it connects with Jesus uh, and all the reasons you might do Sabbath in your own life. But we're not going to get into all of that right now. There's one reason given here in Deuteronomy, and that's the one we're going to focus on right now. And that's in verse 15. Verse 15 says, Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. So there's this call back to the time in slavery and going, remember you were slaves and now you're not. You are free. When you were slaves, you did not have any say in when you worked or when you rested. In fact, what we know about the Egyptians was they didn't let their slaves rest. You were worked to the bone, you were treated terribly. So there wasn't a whole lot of rest going on. Now that God has set you free, you get to rest. What's more, you get to rest every single week for a whole day. This is an amazing perk of freedom. This is an amazing opportunity. No longer are you forced to work and you've got no choice about it. You get to choose to stop working and rest instead. Take hold of this freedom with both hands. This command is just so positive. It's so good for the people who have been living in slavery. And as we look at the history of Israel and we see what happens afterwards, and sort of immediately afterwards and then throughout their history, they struggled at times to really embrace that freedom. Sometimes they did well and other times they didn't. Not long after this, they broke the commandment about building idols. They made for themselves a golden calf out of the gold that they stole from Egypt, no less. Some people at times suggested that they should go back to Egypt, which sounds like madness to us, going back to that sort of slavery. But it shows you that freedom can be hard to get hold of. It's not as simple, you know, we think of freedom as a really positive thing, but really embracing it can be a challenge. And actually this pull back towards Egypt pull back towards Egyptian ways of empire building and Pharaoh worship and false god worship and crushing those who are weak is actually this pull that the Israelites feel all the way through their history. Um, this pull towards slavery and oppression and away from freedom. And it's a challenge for them to hold on to the freedom that God had given them. Now, in our day, we don't experience this sort of physical slavery that the Israelites would have experienced in Egypt. 
But we do have masters who can have an, a negative influence uh, and put pressure on our life in ways that can mean in a way that we are enslaved. Now again, I'm not saying exactly like they were then. I'd much rather be in our situation than theirs. But have a think about it like this. Uh, is our master our boss or our workplace? Let's be honest. Some workplaces have way too much say over what goes on in people's personal lives and at home. Way too much pressure to work extra hours, compromising people's relationships at home uh, and often leads to you know, terrible situations uh, in families and relationship breakups. Sometimes our master is our debt. We, we need to be flat out busy all the time because we need to take all those extra shifts in order to pay off the mortgage or in order to pay off the, the debt or the loan. Sometimes our, our fears are our master. We fear missing out. Fear if I don't take that opportunity at work or I don't give my kids that extra curricular opportunity or the second or the third or the fourth extracurricular opportunity, then somehow they'll miss out on an amazing, awesome uh, you know, experience. Or if I don't do that extra social thing, even though I'm exhausted and I know I need to work and I'm way too flat out, but maybe if I don't do that, I'll miss out on something special and we have that fear. A lot of this comes down to people pleasing, doesn't it? Some of you will be a people pleaser. Many of us will be. We just don't want to let people down. We don't want to say no to people because it, it might hurt their feelings. Uh, it might upset them. And we don't like upsetting people. We don't want people to feel let down. And so we say yes to things when we know deep down we should be saying no. We know we need a rest. But we say yes and we get busy and we get flat out and we get exhausted and we lose our freedom and we become enslaved. Of course, addictions can really enslave us as well. Uh, there's some really just flat out negative addictions. Obviously, we can addic get addicted to hardcore drugs, get addicted to pornography. There's nothing good about those, but they can really enslave us uh, when we are addicted. Uh, and then there's other things that can be good in smaller doses, but in larger doses can be a problem. So uh, alcohol, uh, technology, social media, video games, these sort of things, they can be good things in our life in smaller doses, but uh, some of you will have addictions to these things and you're enslaved. They're, they're dominating your life and they're restricting your freedom. And in particular, if you're a Christian, if they're restricting your ability to follow Jesus with all your heart, mind, soul and strength, then it's a massive problem. It needs to be dealt with. It's, it's like being an Israelite, looking back to the whips and the chains of Egypt and going, maybe we should go back there. The exodus, the escape from Egypt, shook things up for the Israelites. It didn't mean their life was perfect. Embracing freedom was a challenge, but at least they had new freedom. And for us right now, this whole COVID situation has shaken things up big time. The world is very, very different and it's changing all the time. And that has meant a loss of freedom in some areas the restrictions just in what we can do day by day, obviously, but it's made some of us a lot busier. It's weird, isn't it? Some people have found they've got a whole lot more time, maybe because you're working less or you've lost your job, uh, or you just got to stay home a lot more, you're commuting less, but other people, way busier. Obviously, if you work in healthcare at the moment, uh, there's likely that you are flat out. 
I just want to say we appreciate all that you're doing uh, and everyone working in the area where you're really in the coronavirus uh, treatment area. Thank you for what you're doing. I promise I'm, do I'm following all the rules uh, to do my part. I encourage everyone else to do that as well so we can look after those people who are looking after the sickest among our community. But yeah, there will be some restrictions of freedom, but also for almost everyone, there's going to be some new freedoms as well. We're going to be less busy in some areas because we can't play all that sport and we don't have to go to all those meetings and we can't travel as much and we don't have to commute as much and we do have more time at home with our housemates and with our family. Uh, and there is a bit more time just to sit and reflect and we're less busy, 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 uh, in at least in certain parts of our life. So there is this amazing opportunity. And the question is, will we embrace that freedom or will we, as Tim talked about last week, just sort of sit it out, distract ourselves throughout the pandemic, and then as soon as the restrictions are lifted, just snap back into a slavery mode. And I guarantee you, the slave masters will be ready to put you to work as soon as we go back. So that's the challenge. That's what we're talking about in this series. That's why we've got these buckets here. These four questions that we want you to be asking yourself and to asking the people that you live with uh, and your friends and your life group uh, throughout the COVID period, which let's face it, could be going on for quite a while. What have we stopped during this period that we don't wanna bring back in the near future? What have we changed which we'd like to keep? Yeah, like, that's a good change, we wanna stick with that. What have we started which we go, yeah, this is a good new thing. We'd like to keep that uh, and keep doing that into the future. And what have we started out of necessity, as in we just had to do this new thing, that when this is all over, we're gonna drop that. We're gonna leave that behind. And what I wanna encourage you to do is be active with this. Actually sit down with some friends or some family and start writing some things down. Make your own buckets, containers, whatever. They don't have to be this big. <laughs> and actually write a few things down and start dropping them in there and discuss them and pull these buckets out every now and then and have a chat and go, how's it going? What do you think? How's this going? How could we implement this into the future? And really start to apply it into your life uh, and to the life of the people that you live with and maybe the people that you work with and your friendship circles. Now to finish, one thing that I think we should really uh, look to embrace if you haven't already is the idea of Sabbath rest. This idea of a 24 hour period every week where you don't do any work, paid or volunteer, and you rest and you just appreciate your relationship with Jesus and all the good things that God has for us. Our family has been doing this for the last four years. It's been a bit of a focus of our church over the last four years actually. We've gone all in on it and we are never looking back. It has been awesome. In fact, I was thinking about it during the week and thought, well, what would it be like to go back to life where we didn't do it, where we didn't have this 24-hour period of rest? We call it rest day. And it's unbearable to think about. <laughs> Just like, no way, I don't want to do that, never. So here's the thing. Some of you will be doing it. And if you are, awesome. And what I want to encourage you to do, if you are doing it and you're getting benefit on it, from it, Please share the positive stories. Don't do it in a judgmental way. Don't go, well, you really should be doing Sabbath. Uh, that's not the way Jesus 
taught about Sabbath and not what he encouraged, but just share positive stories about the benefits of resting in this way that God has provided for us. And if you haven't, but you are a follower of Jesus, take on the challenge and just start. Think of it like learning to ride a bike. You're going to be a bit unco about it at the start. Nobody gets on a bike and is good at it straight away. Usually you're pretty wobbly. It takes a while to get used to. But eventually there'll be that moment. I don't know, if you've learned to ride a bike, you might even remember that moment where suddenly you go, I think I've worked this out. I've worked out the balance. I've worked out the pedaling. I can go quite fast now. And then you just get in a nice straight section and the wind's blowing past you and you're going fast and you feel that freedom of riding at speed. And you go, ah, this is why people enjoy riding their bike. And it's a very similar experience with Sabbath. You've got to get started. You've got to get used to how, you, how it'll work for you, how you rest your personality, um, how you re-energize what works for you, how you best connect with Jesus in that particular situation. But as you learn that and as you're patient with yourself and you talk to God about it, you'll start to come to the point where it's really rewarding and then it'll click and you go, ah, this is what those biblical writers are on about. This is what Sabbath is all about. And you start to experience that freedom that Jesus offers us through this gift of Sabbath rest. I highly recommend it. Uh, just get into it. Have a go. I'll give you two examples of ways that you might need to learn just quickly before I finish. We talked about this a lot in our leadership training program last year and people came back and shared all the learnings they were having throughout the year. Uh, one person mentioned that they started off trying to buy just like doing a lot of sitting still in solitude and just doing nothing and that just didn't work for them. Their personality's a bit fidgety, you know, doing things and so on. And so they worked out that they weren't going to do work, but they were just going to do things that re-energize them and relax them. So it's not that you do nothing, it's just that you, you don't do work. You do things that help you to rest. Another person realized that not everyone in their household was on board with this whole rest day. Some of them weren't Christians. And so he was going, well, okay, uh, I'm going to have to talk with my family about this because they expected him to do chores on his, the, the, during the time that he was planning to rest. So he negotiated with them that he would do his chores before and after the rest period uh, and, and talked and worked it through with them so that they came to an agreement. So you're gonna to have to work that stuff out uh, and come to a, a situation where it, it works for you and, and that's gonna take some learning. Two things to say before I finish here, uh, closing comments. What if you're rolling your eyes at this point? There'll be a number of people watching, and maybe it's you, who are dismissing this last section here on implementing Sabbath in your own life. Maybe you're on board with the whole positive freedom thing, but when it comes to actually doing 24 hours, nah, you're moving on, or mentally you've moved on already. Now, can I just say, I can relate. I reckon I did this for years. I heard about Sabbath for years, and I'm not exactly sure why, but I just outright dismissed it. For some reason, I was like, doesn't apply to me. And as I said, I can't really explain exactly why, but I needed to ask myself, well, why? Why? Why am I just dismissing it? And I'd like you to ask that same question. Why are you dismissing it offhand? Do you actually have a really good reason not to give it a go? 
or are you just parroting the views of a master? Are you just a slave parroting the views of your master? The one that's making you flat out busy, exhausted, tired, anxious. It's worth thinking about. And lastly, to parents. I think sometimes parents think that uh, kids will just find Sabbath boring and resting boring and that that it'll be really hard with kids. There's no evidence for that as far as I can tell. Our kids absolutely love it. We do it on Saturday. On Monday, they're already asking how many days till rest day. So they're counting down the days every week they're doing that. And also, when we gathered our teenagers, um, our youth ministry during the first lockdown, and talk to them about their experiences. I think from memory, all of them said that they were appreciating the extra time and space that they had during that period. And many of them talked about the new habits they were trying to put in place just to appreciate that and soak it up. I'll give you one example. One guy just said during the time he would normally catch the bus to school, he was just sitting quietly and giving his brain a rest just some time off from the distraction, distracting things that vie for our attention. Just using that time, and that was a really positive way to start today. I do think we underestimate our young people's ability to appreciate the rest that God wants us to take on. So I encourage you with that. I think you might find that, again, once you give it a go and you learn from it, that our young people will really embrace rest in an amazing way. This is a unique time in history. Let's use the opportunity as we face the challenges and we face the difficulty and, and, uh, you know, we have to put up with some of the problems of it. Let's also use the opportunity to shake off the change of slavery that we might be experiencing in various parts of our life and to take hold of the freedom Jesus offers us with both hands. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, you can do so in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Just search for St. John's Diamond Creek.